Voyage. Hey guys, what's going on? Jack Austin here with Seven Lamb Productions here to talk about the newest installment of Fever Dreams of Pulp Collection, Succubus. This has been called kind of like Get Out meets Seven. It's an audio drama version of a Jordan Peele movie about two African-American female detectives who investigate a series of castration murders of black men only to discover that the female culprit may be supernatural. Hence the title. It's scary. It's surprisingly funny. It's one of the best episodes yet in the series, and we think you're going to absolutely love it. So stay tuned for Succubus. See that? Mm-hmm. Shit. Talking about, I love my black sisters. Ugh. One white woman walks in, they circle like dogs waiting to be fed. Look, one's going up to her. You think that's her father with her? I hope so. <laughs> he doesn't seem to mind the attention she's getting. Doesn't take much. She is pretty. Pretty white. <laughs> You're just mad about Nate. <laughs> I'm over that. Oh? You delete his number from your phone yet? Of course. Show me. Mind your business. Nate was my ex. He also had a preference for white women. At least over me, considering he left me for his neighbor. She does hot yoga. We came to this bar to unwind, Sugar and I, and she was wrecking it by bringing him up. We're detectives in the LAPD's cold case unit, which means we spend our days chasing cases that are dead ends without any leads. On the cases that are losers and no one else wants. It's dispiriting on a good day. (laughs) What's your position then, huh? Every good black man must be with a black woman no matter what? Should we pretend to add it as a law? What about black women and white men then? Since when do you care so much about this? (laughs) I'm just saying. It's outdated. Wait. You're dating a white guy, aren't you? Oh, Oh, shit. You're dating White Jerry. You could just call him Jerry. White Jerry? Damn, how did he swing that? He asked you out on a hot date while he was fixing your computer? (laughs) You make him sound like a repairman. He's the IT supervisor for the entire department. (sighs) Wow. White Jerry. I didn't think he had it in him. Seriously. How did that happen? Uh, well... I got a virus in my inbox. I bet you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, stop. He came and fixed it. Okay, he makes me laugh. We went to the Grove and had dinner. He's nice. Be happy for me. I am. And stop calling him White Jerry. Listen, I'm only human. While we were off duty, we were still cops. We went outside and discovered the same thing the woman leaving the bar who had screamed had. A black man from inside the bar. One of the men who was eyeing the white woman in heels who had approached her. He was sprawled out in the adjacent alley. His pants were around his ankles. He had been castrated. Blood was everywhere. It was such a horrific sight that it was hard for my brain to process it. And I had seen hundreds of pictures of dead bodies in my work. Not to mention a dozen or so in person. That white woman, the old man. I'll check. She checked. They were gone. Poof. We called for officer backup, of course. And once they came and secured the scene, we started canvassing the neighborhood. No one had really seen anything. I was watching TV. 
I heard a scream and that was it. Until we knocked on the right door. Yes? Sorry to bother you, ma'am. I'm sure you heard some commotion just now in the neighborhood. Yes. Did you happen to see anyone outside of the bar across the street? I see people there all the time. Did you see anyone leave with a black man about 30 minutes ago before the commotion? No. Are you certain of that? Please leave me alone. I'm going to leave you my card. If you remember, you know how to find me then. Okay, goodbye. She saw something. Yep. Two days passed before she came in. She walked in this strange, staggered way, like she was looking out for someone to pounce on her. She was short and frail. Her hair was a mess. And she had this intense manner about her that was off-putting. You said I could come find you? Absolutely. I know everything about her. About who? Her name is Star, and she's done it before. How do you know about her? A few months ago, I had this feeling like I was being followed. And then she was there, just on the street besides me. She has an ability. She can make you do things. She said her name was Star, and she kissed me. A group of people got out of a party bus on the corner. I guessed too many people because when I turned to her, she was gone. And that night when I went home, I saw I had a streak of gray in my hair. It went away a few weeks later, but that was around the time she came back. I didn't want to be around her, but she has her way. She looks at you and you do what she wants. She took me to her mansion in the country and she told me I could stay young forever. She said she knew how. I can't remember what happened after, only that I was back home, and this time, all of my hair was gray. And I suppose that went away, too. Yes, a few weeks later again. But then I started having nightmares of the mansion, of her doing to black men, what she did to that man a few nights ago. Only, I don't think they were nightmares. Do you know where she is now? I'd start at the mansion. I could tell you where it is. Here, please write down the address for us. Is there more? No, that's it. I know it sounds kind of crazy. We appreciate you coming forward. Let us look into this and we'll contact you if we need more information, okay? Thanks. Sugar glad-handed Louisa out the door and came back. Well... (laughs) If you believe that, I've got a condo in the Ukraine I'd like to sell you. We should at least look into her. Let's run the address. All right. Hold on. What's that? What? That white woman. None of your business. Uh, Oh, wait. That's Nate with her. Is that Nate with his new girlfriend? I can't control what people put on social media. Red, you're on her page. What are you talking about? Are you cyber-stalking his new girlfriend? Property records for this address Louisa gave us show the homeowner listed as Ms. Star Terrio. Oh, okay. We're doing it like that, huh? The land has been in the Terrio family for ever. All the previous owners, as far as the records go, are also Terrios. So Louisa was right. About that. Well, shoot. We can't just disregard her story completely. I'm not saying we should, but what would you like to write on the warrant? Homeowner hypnotized victim and gave her a kiss? (laughs) Witness had a nightmare where suspect committed crimes in the dream world? The judge will post it in his office to laugh at. This star is at least a person of interest, then. We'll drive out there. To Rolling Hills? You think they'll open the gate for us? Maybe we do need a warrant. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, I heard Denzel has a place there. Bullshit. What? That's what I heard. You know how many violent crimes were reported in Rolling Hills last year? Zero. Still believe this star woman was murdering people at her place in front of a witness that she let leave? Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the bar. We'll run the regulars with the owner again. We're still waiting on the credit card list. Something will be in there that isn't a dream. You go. I'll keep an eye on Nate's girlfriend's social media for you. (laughs) You are the worst. You love me. (laughs) We continued our investigation, not considering Louisa's story to have any merit. Louisa called me a few times, but I let it go to voicemail. I'd listen to them when I had a chance. I didn't have time to get sidetracked with crazy theories. The first few days of an investigation were often the most important. But the next night, I got a call from the station. They asked if I had talked to a woman named Louisa. Then they told me what happened to her. Jesus Christ. And that's how Sugar and I found ourselves standing in Louisa's apartment, looking down at her dead body. Ugh, she was covered in blood. There was a gun in her hand. Brain tissue and skull fragments were sprinkled out behind her head. And next to her was another dead black man, castrated like the previous victim. The apartment was cramped, dirty, and there was graffiti in the stairwell leading to it, which we traipsed down after processing the scene. (sighs) What do you think? What can I think? Doesn't make sense. Nothing she said made sense. In situations like that, we have to look at the physical evidence. That girl was 115 pounds soaking wet. You want to tell me she did that and there by herself? Shut up. The captain is coming. Good evening. Captain? I heard you spoke to this woman. Yes, sir. About the last guy. Same M.O.? Correct. And she claims someone else was responsible. That's right. Not our job to be psychologists. Would you agree? Yes. What did she castrate him with? Sugar. Mm -mm. I saw the cut. It was clean. How strong would someone have to be to do that? Did she look strong enough to do that to you? Do you have an alternative theory? Yeah. Could you share it? She didn't do this. Someone else did, and killed her to pawn it off. Forensics will come back, but I bet you my tiller-drive fishing boat that her fingerprints will be all over our male Vic. And I love my tiller-drive fishing boat. Well, what was her motive? It's a cruel world. What's anyone's motive? Thank you, Captain. We'll talk again. That was smart. We should have had a unit keep an eye on her. How could we have known? We could have listened. Sugar's words kept echoing in my head. I went back to my phone and the voicemails. Detective, this is Louisa. I don't know if you believe me. I don't know if you care. But I have to tell someone. I have to say these things out loud. At her home, when the clock strikes 12, you'll see her true form. There's a cellar. She keeps men chained there to feed on, a little at a time like a snack. The old man is not an old man. You'll understand when you see the cage. Red, Chelsea said you sent her a message about me. She said she saw you parked down the street last time she came home from work. Are you out of your mind? She 
has parties on full moon nights where she gathers new victims. They're invitation only. At the door, say the word Eternum. She'll pick one of the male guests and hypnotize him into the cellar. To get in, you'll need a strong, handsome, dark-skinned black man with you. The machine is going to cut me off. This is important. The portrait, that's the key to... Explain it to me again. Minus the bullshit to make me feel better. We can't get a warrant, but... We know this woman was involved in three recent murders and is going to kill more black men. We have a tip from a source that can get us into the next party at her mansion. One of the requirements is we need a black man with us. A very handsome black man. Oh, great. Make sure they note how handsome I am when I get suspended for conducting an off-the-books investigation. You don't have to do anything but look pretty and go to a party. You want it straight? We'll be doing the illegal search. You're just our ticket in. We'll protect you. You two are crazy. Crazy enough to say yes to? How sure are you that she's killing black men? I'm sure of this. If we don't do this, the only way this case breaks is when the next body drops. Ah, damn it. All right. Also, Red is single now. Girl, hush. What? We checked for the next full moon, picked up Marlon, and drove out to the address Louisa had given us. It was a gated community of multi-million dollar homes. Stars was off on its own track. We parked and approached the door. When it didn't open, I did what Louisa had told me to. Eternum. Sugar. Marlon and I stepped into the mansion, which looked like it had been maintained from the 17th century. There were oil paintings of descendants of the Terrio family lined on the walls. Every guest was black, and most were men. There was an uncomfortable-looking DJ. The old man we had seen at the bar was serving as the bartender and poured top-shelf liquor freely for the guests. Star was nowhere to be found. All right, what now? Have a drink. We got this. Sugar and I tried to search other rooms, but every room was locked, except the bathroom. We opened the bathroom door, but the only point of interest there was that the toilet looked 100 years old. Ugh. We left the bathroom door ajar and located what seemed like the door to the cellar, but that was, of course, locked as well. We debated breaking into one of the rooms, but before we could seriously consider doing so, the old man found us. Ladies. Please return to the great room. The Lady of Honor is about to join us. I checked the time and noticed my phone had no signal. It made no sense. There was no reason for it not to. Then I heard an old-school grandfather clock strike 12. She appeared at the top of the steps. She waved to the crowd like a beauty queen. Then her features began to change. Her skin hardened like a reptile. Her fingernails, already long, elongated further into what could only be described as claws. Her smile became a thing of horror as her teeth multiplied into sets like a shark. Through it all, her blonde hair remained. I I tried to turn and look at Sugar, but I couldn't look away. She descended the staircase and put a hand out. Marlin took her hand and walked away with her. I wanted to leap out and save him, but I was frozen in place. In my peripheral vision, I could see the other guests and Sugar. Everyone stood frozen, staring ahead blankly. Henry glared at us from the bar, where I could have sworn 
He was sharpening a large knife, but it was all fuzzy, indistinct, like it was happening in a dream. That's when I heard glass breaking. When I saw white hands grab me, I I was terrified. It it wasn't Henry. I could see him leap over the bar, an impossible feat given his age. Who then? The hands pulled me, still in my hypnotized state, and I saw the man's face. I I tried to speak, but all that came out was, White Jerry. Come on, hurry! White Jerry dragged Sugar and I, the two of us shaking off the hypnosis like drunk shaken off an all-night bender, and helped us out through the shattered bathroom window while he locked the bathroom door and Henry pounded on it. Sugar and I were still out of it for another hour. By the time we were back to somewhat normal, Jerry had driven us into L.A. proper and we were sitting on the couch at his house. How did you know? I told him. Everything? That's how we are with each other. You saved me, baby. I love you, Sugar. They kissed passionately. I sat and watched uncomfortably. I love you too, Jerry. Marlon is still there, with her. We have to tell the captain. Tell him what? A she-demon has Officer Jackson? What did Louisa Saystar does with the men she picks? You don't want to know. We have to try. Right now. Hello? Captain, it's Red and Sugar. At five in the morning, the only things I'm interested in are sugar and cream. Officer Marlon Jackson is in danger. From who? The same suspect we've been investigating on the killings. Our suspect in those killings is dead. Cap. We don't have time to fuck around here. I'm sorry. Marlon is at this woman's home. We think she's got him captive in her cellar. Based on what evidence? We watched her walk away with him, and our source says she chains men up in her cellar. You were at her home? Invited guests. At a party. By your source, do you mean Louisa Sinclair? Yes. Detectives, because it is five in the morning, I'm going to choose to pretend I dreamed this. If I did not dream this, I would have no choice but to suspend both of you for performing what is clearly your own unsanctioned investigation. Did you see Officer Jackson chained up, or did you just see him walk off holding hands with a pretty woman? The, uh, latter, sir. I mentioned that because I also received a call from a Jocelyn Johnson. Apparently, you have been stalking her, so Detective... You are, in effect, stalking two different women, one whose only crime is dating your ex, the other who has committed no crime you can prove. Rather than suspend you, I'll warn you to get your act together before you lose your job. I'm going to wake up from this dream now, and neither of you are going to call me again. (sighs) It is what it is, then. Mm Mm-hmm. Why Jerry's not coming this time. White Jerry? She's right, babe. It's too dangerous. I pulled you both out of there. We... uh, No, me. I didn't listen to Louisa. Stop it. I convinced Marlon. It's on us. And we are going to fix it right now. We did, however, take White Jerry's car. The party had long since ended. Marlon could already be dead. We didn't have time to be subtle. Once we were in... We went straight to the cellar door. In the cellar, Marlon was chained to a pole. 
big gouges taken out of his flesh. As Louisa had said, he was being treated as a snack, something to be savored over time. He was unconscious, likely due to the blood loss, but was breathing, albeit shallow. There were lit candles everywhere. The old man, Henry, was nowhere to be found. But there was a raven sitting on an extraordinarily large perch within an immense cage. I also noticed a portrait of Star on the wall, dated by the artist as completed in 1786. Good morning, detectives. Only now, she didn't look like the portrait. She looked old. Maybe we broke up the party before she could do whatever she normally did, because the woman I saw was wrinkled, eyes sunken, hair thinning, and stringy gray. She looked on death's door, but she was still strong. I knew because she grabbed me with one hand and threw me into the wall. You two are awful uppity showing up like this. Uppity? Uh Uh-uh. That's it. I'm shooting an old lady tonight. Sugar's gunshots did nothing to Star. They hit, yes, to the chest, but Star didn't bleed. Nor did they slow her. She looked at worst mildly annoyed. You have no power here, Black Jezebel. Meanwhile, the raven in the cage transformed. Feathers disappearing, beak morphing into a nose, body extending in ways that sickened me to my soul. Into Henry. Nude, he leapt out of the cage and tackled Sugar. You've taken enough from me already. You don't get to take this. I saw Star glance for a moment at the portrait from where she had thrown me. I had a clear line of sight to it. I remembered Luisa's words, and acting purely on instinct, I grabbed a candle, sprinted to the portrait, and lit it on fire. No! There were no flames on her, but her skin grew waxy and darkened on her body as it did in the portrait. Her body wilted like a flower. Sugar managed to elbow Henry in the jaw, get her gun up, and shoot him up through his chin and out the back of his head. He wasn't impervious like Star. He bled and died like anyone else. God almighty. I... I don't know how to write this in a report, sir. Backup arrived with the captain. They found Henry's dead, nude body, the cage, Marlin, half-eaten, and Star burned into basically a human puddle on the floor, despite no evidence of fire anywhere near her. We stomped out the portrait eventually to keep the whole place from going up. Paramedics took Marlin. The captain did that move where you cover your eyes with your hand and then run it back through your hair. A lot. I... This is... Fuck. Mm, Yes, sir. You... Shit. You attended a party as invited guests. Officer Jackson went downstairs and screamed for help. You came down and the old woman and man attacked you. You defended yourself. That's it. Won't the... That's it. File the report. We won't speak about this again. Ever. Only Sugar and I would ever know the full truth of what happened in that cellar. And even for us, we'd never completely understand it. White Jerry proposed to Sugar a few weeks later. 
She said yes. And I deleted Nate's number from my phone. Fever Dreams, a pulp collection, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore, in association with Robert Lamb and Jack Austin of Seven Lamb Productions. This episode, Succubus, was written, directed, and produced by Dan Benamore. Story by Cheryl Marie Myers from her short story. Editing and sound design by John Higgins. Original music by Dirtless Gonzalez. Starring T. Siobhan Stewart as Red and Ashley Morgan as Sugar. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. How much do you know about cryonic preservation? Cryonic preservation. The preservation of human beings at extreme low temperature. You mean like like uh, Walt Disney? I swear to God, if you say anything about Walt Disney's frozen head, I'm hanging up this phone right now. Swear to me, you've never heard of the Red Valley Seabolt until I just told you. I swear. You swear? Could you take your hand off my knee? Look, Warren, if they're sending the butter wouldn't melt new boy looking for Red Valley, it'll be for a reason. Trust me. People are losing their lives in this company. We pulled him out too soon. He is awakening exactly as we planned. He's dying on me! We're all murderers here. Bryony, you, me, that doorman probably. Guy on the corner there with a the neck tattoo. I bet he's killed someone. Would you like to cut his head off? I'm sorry. The saw is funny. Gordon, why are you sharing this stuff with me? Why are you smiling? I don't know. I smile when things get awkward. Get in your golden bullet, pick me up. You want to go to Red Valley? You want to go to Red Valley? Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley is available on all podcast providers. Do you want to continue?